if you could sit across from your first year teacher self, what would you say? Well, this episode is me exploring that very question for myself. If you're a teacher in the making or a teacher still early in their career, I hope my reflections over this episode bring a little bit of validation, support and clarity for you. And if you're an experienced teacher, this episode might be a little bit of an exercise in reflection to just see how far you've come to look back and consider what you'd say to yourself when you were bright eyed, bushy tailed, ready to go in teaching and help maybe to put yourself back in that mindset of how you might be able to support newer teachers you are or will be working with. Welcome to the Unteachables podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and I am absolutely no stranger to the challenges and let's face it, sometimes carnage of being a teacher. And if you found yourself here listening with me, I'd say that you might know a bit about that as well, because being a teacher is freaking hard. And this podcast is dedicated to making you feel a hell of a lot less alone whilst giving you the knowledge, support and strategies that you need to not just survive the chaos of being a teacher, but truly thrive. Think about it as getting a weekly dose of relatable, actionable, and most importantly, enjoyable professional learning straight into your ears. So hit the subscribe button, download me for your commute, and let's get into it. So if you've been listening to me for any amount of time or follow me on Instagram for any amount of time, you know that I'd like to keep it as real as possible. And I don't think I would be doing this work at all if teaching was smooth sailing for me in any sense of the word. And I mean, I don't know any teacher really that it was all smooth sailing for. Teaching's really, really hard when you start, like, I mean, in general, it's really hard, but when you start to kind of get into it and oh my gosh, we learn a lot over the years, don't we? We learn so much on the job and it's not just about teaching, but it's about school politics. It's about being a human being. It's about leading and not just teams of people as a leader, but leading 30 kids in a room. So this episode, I really wanted to have an open and honest chat with myself and consider what I would say stepping back in time. But before I crack into this episode, I have two pretty big announcements. The first one is incredibly exciting. 2023 is going to be a huge year, right? Personally and for the unteachables, because you all know if you've been listening to me that I'm going to be bringing my first tiny little human into the world in January, and I'm very excited for that. But I'm also going to be bringing my first book into the world. I have just um, paired up with Sage Publishing to bring this vision and dream that I've had for so long to life, and I just... I couldn't be more excited and feel so privileged to be able to be in a position to be writing this book for you all. This book is going to be called It's Never Just About the Behaviour, A Holistic Approach to Classroom Behaviour Management. It is a book that's for both primary and secondary teachers alike. It is a book that is that mentor that everybody just needs alongside them. And sometimes we just don't get, um, no no matter what your level of experience is, we all need that little guide It's a book that will help you feel empowered and equipped in your classroom. And it's pretty much just a book that I'm writing because I wish I had it in my hands going into the profession. And I am just beaming with excitement and pride to be able to make that a reality. And that will be out um, early 2024. And it sounds like a long time away, but when I'm balancing that and motherhood and everything else, the deadline seems quite thin. So that's what I'm going to be crunching away at in the next year. 
The second news is that in 10 days, the doors to my comprehensive behavior management course, that'll teach them are actually closing. It's been eight months now since I launched that course. And during that time, it has just been incredible hearing stories from students who are making amazing changes in the classroom, hearing about all the strategies and knowledge that you're applying, hearing about your successes, and just being able to support all types of teachers in their journey. Obviously, I'm not closing the doors for good because I'm going to keep doing this work. But the last eight months have given me time to just spend reflecting on how to continue to develop and improve the course and just make it as impactful for teachers as I possibly could. Uh, The last eight months has also given me a bunch of experience teaching in this online space. It's given me eight extra months of working with teachers through my Instagram and online courses to get a sense of what you really need to be able to truly feel supported and to make those authentic transformations in your practice. And that knowledge to me is very exciting. And that experience that I'm gaining is is exciting because I am so inspired as I ever have been to be hitting the ground running and doing incredible things with this new That'll Teach Them offer. So things are changing and it's going to be bigger and better than ever. That'll Teach Them will be relaunched to its first student intake in around April next year. And what will be new, it'll have a new facelift on a new platform that has a lot more potential. It'll have a bunch of new content. It'll have more tasks, more resources, and more cheat sheets and scaffolds to support with that instant and supportive implementation into your classrooms. And most excitingly, I'm going to be running live sessions for the course, including live lessons and Q&As within your intake period that will be available on demand. If those of you can't make it live, that's fine. But that kind of high touch, high personal Um, high support element is going to just be a game changer for this course. But what does that mean for you if you're currently enrolled in the course? Well, if you're currently enrolled in That'll Teach Them, I will automatically be onboarding you onto the new That'll Teach Them course with the April intake. That means you can benefit from all of the new material and you can even join in the live sessions if you wish. However, if you just prefer to complete the old version of the course, I will still make that available to you until September next year. So you can just stay on the same platform and do the same course if you want to, or you can jump over and access all of the new material as well. So it's completely up to you. So I'm closing the doors to the current that'll teach them in 10 days, and I'm going to be having a going out sale. So you can enroll before that time at the price of £99. If you do, you'll be able to gain access to the current course to a If you want to begin immediately, you can to the current course, but you'll also automatically gain a space to start in that first April intake and be able to access a new version to the course. Because it's going to be an offer that's naturally higher touch and higher support through like live sessions um, and lessons, the price is going to be increasing from what it currently is. So if that'll teach them has been on your mind, then it might be a good idea to join now and you can pay on a three or five month payment plan if you like. And by the time the course goes live in April, then you're good to go. Um, But I'll pop all of those details in the show notes for you because I know that was a lot to take in. Um, Okay. So with that all said and done, should we crack into the episode? I'm going to transform myself back in time. I'm going to be sitting in front of my first year teacher, Claire Self, with her ridiculously white blonde home bleached hair, (laughs) Um, her lip piercing, her smooth skin from never having taught a day in her life, just generally completely unaware of what is to come in the next 10, 12 years. And she asks, uh, asks me, 
tell me, Claire, coming back now, sitting in front of me, what are you going to tell me about this first year of teaching or these first few years of teaching? Well, the first thing I would say to her is that you're allowed to be a freaking human. You're allowed to find the fun in the frustrating. You're allowed to laugh. You're allowed to connect, which seems like it's an obvious and it seems like it's a given, but it's really not. I remember when I was in my first year, I had this year 11 English class and they were English studies. So they were only doing the course because it was a prerequisite to do English, not because they were lovers of literature, not because they were particularly like good at it or had a knack for it, but they just had to do it. So they had to come to this lesson. Anyway, they were the most apathetic bunch. I could not motivate them, but I loved these kids. Oh my God, I loved them and contextualizing it now. They'd be in their thirties, which is just wild to me. I remember doing everything I could and just grafting, trying to motivate them, but it was tough. And this was the one class I was forever fearful of my principal walking in and seeing me teach. These students were phones out. They had their bags on their desk and sleeping on their desks and all sorts. I remember so often saying, come on, just put your bags on the floor at least. Like just bargaining with them, just doing anything I could to get them to do anything. And I think I just, I just felt really anxious about someone walking in and seeing it and judging me. But my principal, he really did have a knack for walking in at the most inopportune times. So once he walked in and one of my students was doing a full-on handstand on a desk, showing me his acrobatic uh, prowess, and another, which I swear was in the same week, he walked in again and I was sat in one of the student tables in front of an entire mud cake, eating a slice with them all around me, no books out, doing no work. It was my birthday and they just sung to me and got me this cake, which was so sweet, but out of context, it would have just looked ridiculous. Now, many years on and with senior leadership experience under my belt, I can 100% see why those things were the things that helped me engage those kids in some way. But ultimately, I just wanted to bury my head in the sand. I just wanted to run away. I just, I felt so ashamed and so embarrassed of my performance with them. So lesson one, first year, early career teacher, Claire, don't be hard on yourself. You're allowed to be a human. You don't have to be authoritative all the time. You can pick your moments and have a balance. It's so important. This whole smile before Easter crap or smile before Christmas, depending on where you are in the world, is ridiculous. I definitely believe in being credible and holding expectations and holding boundaries, but we also need to allow ourselves to have those human moments because Our students will respond to that as well and not feeling so guilty all the time or under so much pressure to be transforming this room into one that was incredibly productive because it was not going to happen overnight. It was very little by little with these kids. Okay, the next thing I tell myself sitting across from her, I'd say, you know what, you are doing such a great job considering you are literally navigating a system that did not prepare you. I put up a a post recently. uh, It was about teacher training prepares teachers to teach their subjects, but not their students. And this was definitely my experience of being a teacher. I know that there are some programs where teachers do come out feeling really, really equipped. I can't speak for every single teacher in the whole entire world, obviously, in every single context, every single country, Uh, even though in my experience working with a bunch of teachers, in a lot of contexts, a lot of them aren't prepared for the onslaught of like behavior management, you know, having to manage 30 kids in the room and all of those complexities of behavior before they get to actually teaching their subject. Um, so at uni, I learned a lot of English literature, 
to a level that I would never teach my kids. I, I taught the highest level of English you could teach in Australian schools. I taught extension one and two, and still I didn't scrape the barrel of the level of English that I learned at uni. Um, and my best friend managed to get through her degree to be a maths teacher. And again, the level that she had to learn of maths to be a teacher was so incredibly complex that it is the reason there aren't a stack of math teachers kicking about because it's really, really high level maths. And you wouldn't be teaching that to students unless you teach the highest level of maths. I had one lesson at university, one single tutorial where they spoke about behavior management that I can remember, right? And it involved the tutor spending 10 minutes explaining that if a child wasn't doing their work, I remember it so vividly, if a child wasn't doing their work to write the name on the board, do crosses and then keep them in to finish the work at lunch. There was nothing about development. There was nothing about the root cause of behavior. There was nothing about escalation and de-escalation, nothing about strategies to support with addressing and resolving behavior in any way, shape or form. So here we are, fresh teachers, and we get into a room with 30 kids. And lo and behold, if it's carnage, what do we do? We've got nothing. We only have to kind of lean back on what we've learned through our own experiences, to fall back on those experiences that maybe were modeled to us by our own teachers. And I don't know about you, but I was a bit of a tough nut to crack at school. I had a lot of, I had a lot of stuff going on and my behavior is definitely told that to teachers, but what strategies they used were still very punitive around, okay, Claire, well, you can't manage in here. So you're going to be sitting out in the hallway for the entire lesson. I spent, I think, 50% of year eight and nine just sitting out in the corridor somewhere by myself doing lines or doing the workout there because people didn't want me in their class. And I remember trying to like be a bit of a class clown and look through the window and get kids' attention and I just, I just had so much going on and that was the strategy that a teacher used with me um, amongst other strategies that were quite isolating and, you know, further disengaging for me. And when I got into the classroom, what did I do? Okay, things aren't working in here, so out you go. And we just, we just model, like from, from what has been modelled to us, we continue that cycle and we perpetuate that cycle because we've got nothing else to hold on to and to fall back on. This is in no way a criticism on the amazing people that are doing their best for teachers in these spaces, but the way it's set up in the context that I'm familiar with, it doesn't enable teachers to really gain a solid idea of what they'll come up against with student behavior. And then we get into the classroom, not knowing what to do. We put it on ourselves. We feel immense amounts of guilt, immense amounts of pressure to get it right, even though we are so ill-equipped to deal with it. I'm very lucky that I had the mentors that I had and I'm very lucky that the one, like I did a couple of pracs, but one of them that I did um, was incredible and I had, yeah, I had some really amazing experiences and I don't think that I would be in the position I am in today without that. So there just needs to be more of that kind of mentorship, that kind of, um, you know, learning that's embedded within our teacher, teacher training program. So teachers actually have an understanding about what's going on. So yeah, I would tell myself, Claire, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. You're doing the best that you can. You didn't get taught these things. You're working everything out as you go along whilst also managing with incredibly challenging behaviors. Another thing I would say is I would reinforce the old saying to myself, Claire, just fake it till you make it, especially when it came to things like my teacher presence, 
I would, you know, try to get her to own it and stand straight and proud and speak confidently, even though inside back then I would have been melting with imposter syndrome. And on the same line as that, I would tell my first year teacher self, oh, just look around. Do you really think everybody else has it together? They are winging it as much as you are. And that would just have eased my mind so much learning that earlier. One of my colleagues back in the day was freaking perfect at everything. She was composed. She was calm. She was all over it. And I was just in awe of her. And I always just thought, when am I going to be a teacher like her? Like, I just feel so out of it and just, you know, disjointed in this place. I don't know how to teach. I don't know how to stay calm. And then I had a professional learning day with her and we were looking at the curriculum for English. And I said, I've got a confession to make. I I really don't get most of this. And I just like was really honest with her. I said, I feel like I'm just keeping afloat. And she looked at me and this is the first time I really connected with her and we became good friends from then. But she said, Claire, I have no effing idea either. I just talk like I get it. And it's so confusing as if any teacher feels like an expert in this. And that one conversation, I swear, changed my life. So I hope that little snippet helps you too. Fake it till you make it. Everyone's walking around with imposter syndrome. There are so many complexities to teaching. You can't you can't grasp it all at once. Um, and you'll never feel totally on top of it. So don't think you're the only one feeling like that and just fake it till you make it. I would then warn myself about the pressures associated with the workload, that big push of sacrifice that necessitates us giving all of our time over to the job and then make sure I knew how to approach that before letting the guilt and expectation and pressure engulf me in the way that it did. So I'd just say, Claire, you're going to feel this amount of pressure. You're going to feel like that to-do list is you're never going to get it done if you don't work on the weekend. You're going to feel like everybody else is the hardest working person in the room and you have to meet that expectation. Um, But that to-do list is literally never getting done. I probably still have a to-do list from 2012 sitting somewhere, the things uncrossed on it. And nobody died. Nobody suffered from it. I still progressed in my career. I'm still in the position that I am today. So I would say to myself, just reframe it. What really needs to get done right now? Like really, really needs to get done right now. What is going to matter in this classroom, in this job, in a week's time, in a year's time? What will my leaders be on my back about the most? I was given this piece of advice once. It was just like kind of a passing comment, but it was you know all those things that people are asking for, yeah? Sometimes they are just reactive. They're not thought out. They'll never ask for it again. If they do, then do it. But if they don't, then it's likely just something they threw out there and they're not going to remember. I can't remember who said it to me, but it's just so funny because it has popped up in my head since dozens and dozens of times and it's been so accurate. Of course, you have to make sure you're savvy enough to know what matters most and to get those things done that people are asking for. But there are certain things that people will just ask for reactively. There's no strategy behind it and they'll never check again. So I think for us as teachers, sometimes it's really about sifting out the most important things, focusing on those first and then seeing what we can get to after. So I would just reinforce that message with first year Claire before she spent every single weekend in her bedroom completing tasks that now looking back probably weren't that important to do. And the final thing I would say to her is, Claire, there's not much at all that can't wait until Monday because (laughs) there's really not. And I know that it feels like there's so many things we have to get done on the weekend, but there really aren't that many things that can't wait until Monday. 
Then I would finish up my coffee and apologize to her for dropping all of those bombs. But I know this sounds really cheesy. I would remind her and every single new teacher going into the profession or that's in the thick of their first or second year that every single day that she spends in the classroom, she's growing and developing and that you will be a successful teacher and hold on to that on the days where you feel overwhelmed by the behavior and everything else that's going on. So that is it. I hope that was helpful. That was a really nice little reflection and it's really lovely to be able to look back, even if you've only been teaching a year, look back on where you were a year ago. If you've been teaching five years, look back. If you have been teaching a week, think about what you've learned in that week because honestly, we are constantly developing and to be able to reflect on that and look at those little wins and look at those little micro moments where we have developed it makes us feel a hell of a lot better about how far we think we have to go because we've always got somewhere to go as teachers. We've always got something to develop and work on. So feel free to reach out and send me a message if this resonated with you at all or helped you at all, or just come and have a chat with me. Say hello. Let me know you're out there listening. My inbox is always open. You can email me, send me a message on Instagram, whatever. Um, Just turn this one-way chat into a two-way chat as much as you want, because I'm always here for it. And to those of you listening, if you did enjoy today's episode, please head over and leave a quick review. It does mean a lot for everybody who does that. And until next time, I hope you have a lovely week and I'll see you then. Hi there, friend. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Unteachables podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't done so yet, make sure you're following the podcast so you don't miss a single one. My goal is to always have you walk away with at least one new nugget of information to help you on your teaching journey. So if that was you today, feel free to pop over to my Instagram, jump into my DMs and let me know. I am always happy to hear from you and always happy to have a chat. And if you're feeling extra nice today and have a little moment to spare, a review on here would also go a long way. I will see you at the same time and same place next week, teachers. Bye.